Hey friends, and welcome to episode 117 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Cornick, and this week's episode is going to answer a question that I get pretty often. And that question is, can I become a morning person? Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Anna, I have no trouble with mornings. I love waking up early and starting my day, and I've got no problem with mornings. If that's you, then keep listening because your mornings are about to get even better. But if you're like me and dragging yourself out of bed in the mornings is your least favorite thing ever, and you're nodding off during your morning kickoff meetings, or you're overdoing it on the coffee to try and stay awake and alert, then this episode is definitely for you. So today, I'm talking about whether it's even possible to become a morning person if you're historically terrible at mornings. I'll share the three biological chronotypes, which is a fancy way of saying morning person, night person, or somewhere in the middle. I'll tell you how to figure out which one you are so you can tailor your AM and PM strategies to your internal clock. And finally, I'll share a few simple tips that you can start implementing tonight to help you have a better morning tomorrow. And because I know you're probably making the most of your time and you're listening in the car while you're out and about running errands or you're doing stuff around the house, it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode over in the show notes, plus links to any of the resources I'll mention. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 117. Also, I'm not going to totally spill the morning goodness waiting for you once we officially dive into this episode, but I've put together a special free printable to help you figure out once and for all where you fall on the early bird to night owl spectrum. You better believe there's some science behind it and just a little bit of math, but not too much math. Trust me on this. You can grab this free printable over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 117. All right, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman-Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Cornick. What exactly does it take to become a morning person? Is it even possible to become a morning person if you've always been a night owl? And if I'm already an early bird, how can I make my mornings even better? These are all questions I've gotten in the past few months from friends, in my Instagram DMs, and from members of the It's About Time podcast community. With last week's episode, episode 116, being all about adapting to daylight savings time, mornings are on our minds. Me personally, I've always thought of myself as a night owl. I've never been one to wake up super early, except for a few months during my pregnancies. Somehow, I started waking up some mornings around 4.45 or 5 a.m. just ready to start my day. 
hormones can do some seriously crazy things, right? But for the most part, I would much rather stay up late or drive at night or pull an all-nighter than wake up early and do just about anything. But you've got to do what you got to do. When you've got to or want to start work at a specific time, and when that involves getting tiny people out the door and to school on time too, when the alarm goes off, hitting the snooze button until 9 a.m. just isn't an option. So where do we begin? Well, first off, we're going to talk about whether it's possible to become a morning person or if it will always be a struggle for some of us. That will take us to a dive into biological chronotypes and discovering which chronotype we are. And by the way, biological chronotype is just a sciencey way of saying whether you're a natural morning person, a night person, or somewhere in between. Yeah, it turns out there's more than just morning larks or night owls. There's actually a third bird, and you just might be in that third flock with me. Then, once we have an idea of which feathered friend or biological chronotype we are, we'll look at a few simple steps that anyone, regardless of type, can take to make mornings better than ever. All right, here we go. So, Is it possible to become a morning person? Well, yes. And also, sort of, no. And it also kind of depends on how old you are. And here's why. You know how sometimes during your day, you feel totally on point, awake, refreshed, and then sometimes you're totally dragging, usually after lunch, that afternoon lull where you feel kind of foggy. Sometimes that afternoon lull can feel totally frustrating. But I want you to know that you're not alone in feeling these ups and downs throughout your day. They're totally normal. See, we're all biologically wired to experience energy peaks and valleys throughout the day. In fact, there are three different energy phases that we all experience each day. The peak, the trough, and the rebound. The peak is the highest energy point in the day. This is when you feel amazing. This is your best time for focused work and for deep work that requires concentration. The trough, as expected, is the lowest energy point in the day. This is when you're totally dragging and you're craving a coffee, a nap, or both. The rebound is another high energy point, but it's not quite as high as your peak. You're feeling pretty good and you're able to get stuff done and you're able to focus. This is that second wind that most of us feel as we're wrapping things up for the day. But here's the crazy thing. Even though we all have these three energy phases every day, we don't all experience them in the same order or at the same times of day. And that's where your biological chronotype comes in, which, as I said before, is a fancy way of saying whether you're a chirpy morning lark ready to sing with the sunrise Disney princess style or a night owl who'd rather pull the covers over their head and smash this news button for a fifth time. And while we usually group ourselves in one of two feathered flocks, there are actually three biological chronotypes, morning larks, night owls, and third birds. Yes, third birds, that's a thing. So if you've ever felt like you're not quite a morning person, but you're not really a night owl either, you're somewhere in between, then you might be a third bird, just like me. 
I learned about these three chronotypes reading Daniel Pink's book, When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And I'll be sure to link this book in the show notes. It's a really fascinating read. So let me tell you a little bit about each of these three birds so you can get an idea of where you land. And if you want to be even more exact, head over to the show notes and download the free worksheet I've created for you. It's called Bird is the Word. And with some quick math based on when you fall asleep and when you wake up, you can pinpoint exactly which one you are. Until you can get your hands on that worksheet, listen in and see which bird sounds like you. Okay, we'll start with morning larks. Morning larks, no surprise, feel their best in the early morning hours. They experience the three phases of energy in this order. Peak, trough, and rebound. So they're at their peak in the early morning hours, usually around 6, 7, or 8. Then they have their lowest energy point in the afternoon. And finally, in the early evening, they feel a second wind, another boost of natural energy with their rebound. Larks are our typical morning people. They're early to bed and early to rise. Remember how I mentioned earlier that you can become a morning person? Sort of? Well, what's interesting about chronotypes is that your bird can change throughout your life. Most children from toddlers to preteens are larks. And any moms listening whose kids have bounded into their room at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning already know this. More women are larks than men, and many adults over 60 become larks even if they experience different patterns during other parts of life. Also interesting, statistics show that people with fall or winter birthdays tend to be larks. Here are a few fun personality traits most often associated with larks. And remember, these aren't hard rules, just common findings. There are always exceptions to the rule. So larks are often introverted and conscientious, agreeable and persistent. They're known for being emotionally stable and for taking initiative. They're also very likely to make plans for the future. So let's head to the opposite end of the spectrum and meet the owls. Owls are our typical night people, naturally late to bed and naturally late to rise. Remember how larks experience the day in this order? Peak, trough, and rebound? For owls, it's the exact opposite. Owls actually start their day in the rebound phase. So in the morning hours, owls can feel okay, but they're definitely not at their best. Then in the afternoon, just like the morning larks, they dip even lower into the trough. And then finally in the evening, they totally come alive in their peak. So again, morning larks are peak trough rebound, but owls are rebound trough peak. So you remember those morning lark kiddos who were up at the crack of dawn ready to rock and roll? Once those morning lark children make the transition into their teenage years, they become more owlish. And that owlishness typically lasts through their early 20s. So if you were a total night owl in college, but now you can't keep your eyes open past 9 p.m., that's why. Your owl days just might be behind you. More men than women tend to be natural owls, and owls are typically born in the spring and summer months. One very interesting thing to note is that owls make up only one-fourth of the population, so they're a lot less common than you might think. 
Here are a few fun, common personality traits of the owl. Again, remember, there are always exceptions to every rule, but owls are often known for being open and extroverted, impulsive thrill seekers. They're typically more creative, have a superior working memory, plus they're generally hilarious. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Okay, so we've talked about the morning larks and we've talked about the night owls, but what about the in-between? What about those third birds? Chances are you, my friend, are a third bird. Call this a mid-morning pigeon, a flamingo ready for brunch, or a midday hawk, whatever you want, but third birds are those of us who don't fall neatly into the lark or the owl category. Third birds are the most common type and make up 60 to 80% of the population. So like I said, there's actually a pretty good chance that you're a third bird. Like a morning lark, third birds typically experience their energy phases in this order. Peak, trough, and rebound. But their peak and their rebound times are just pushed back a bit. Think a mid-morning peak instead of an early morning peak and an early to mid-evening rebound. And remember how I mentioned that owls are actually less common than you might think? I found that many people who think they're owls are actually third birds. And if you're curious about third bird personality traits, they're a bit more unpredictable than the morning lark and the night owl. So consider a third bird personality a mix of both. And if you've listened to me talk about all three birds and you're still not quite sure where you fall, 
Head over to the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 117 to download and print the free bird is the word worksheet so you can zero in on which bird you are and really start to understand your biological chronotype. So going back to the original question, is it possible to become a morning person? Well, now we know that biologically, some of us are just born that way. And then we can lean morning lark depending on the stage of our life, when we're children or senior adults. One thing I truly hope is that by understanding that there are three distinct time types, that you're able to give yourself a little grace if mornings aren't the easiest for you. There's no doubt that the working world rewards the early bird tendencies of morning larks. I mean, corporate America was made for morning people. Traditional business hours and school start times are built for larks and are pretty doable for third birds, but are often a struggle for owls. And if you have a child, coworker, significant other, or someone else in your life who you can totally spot as being a different bird from you, my husband is a total morning lark, and I am definitely a third bird? Well, I hope that you're able to be understanding with them too. I like to believe that most of us really are trying our best and working with what we've got. And in this case, we're working with our biological chronotype. And for all my owls who are listening, yes, it is possible for you to have good mornings too. You have a choice. You can use your owlishness as an excuse. I can't do mornings because I'm an owl. Or you can choose to find a way to make mornings work for you. So how can we make the most of our mornings regardless of our feathered time type? Well, first we're going to start with why. Then we're going to make being good at mornings part of our identity. And finally, we're going to start our good morning before we turn off the light the night before. First, starting with why. Anytime you set out to do anything, it's critical to articulate why you want to do that thing in the first place. In his book, The Productivity Project, David Bailey tested out dozens upon dozens of different productivity hacks over the course of a year to figure out what worked and what didn't. After reading that tons of the most productive people, from CEOs to entrepreneurs to scientists and artists, wake up at 5 a.m., he set out to do the same. He found that, for him, waking up at 5 a.m. was totally miserable because he didn't really have a good reason for getting up that early. He had evening hours pretty open and available to him, and there was really no good reason for him to get up that early. For me, on the other hand, and I'm sure for many of you, it's a much different story. As a mom to two little girls waiting for me at daycare, I don't have the option to just keep working into the evening. Once I do my shutdown routine at the end of each workday, my evening hours are totally spoken for until around 8 p.m. with dinner prep, bath time, and bedtime routine. Sometimes it goes even later if my three-year-old's having trouble sleeping. Maybe you don't have kids at home like I do, but you spend your evening hours on volunteer activities, nonprofit meetings, or other things, and you want to take advantage of those early morning hours for things like working out, personal development, or meditation. If you want to incorporate more intentional personal development into your mornings, back in episode 19, I dedicated an entire episode to designing a next-level morning routine that includes meditation, affirmations, and other ways to start your day. 
Regardless of your reason, before you set out to become a morning person, your first step is to articulate your why. If you don't have a clear purpose in mind for getting up and you know that you struggle to climb out of the bed, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to pull yourself out of bed for no good reason. So what's your good reason? Ask yourself, why? Why do I want to become a better morning person? And then once you have that first answer, maybe it's to work out or maybe it's to get in an hour of work or to just have some stillness before your family wakes up. Once you have your first answer, ask yourself why again. Why do you want to work out? Why do you want to get in that extra hour of work? Why do you want some stillness before your family wakes up? What would that give you? Would working out enable you to feel more confident in your skin? To prove to yourself that, yeah, you can run a marathon. Does that extra hour of work get you closer to a promotion or to the next level in your business journey? Does that stillness enable you to step into your day feeling calm, prepared, and peaceful? Is that your time in scripture or a devotional that strengthens your relationship with God? Before I move on to step two, I want to ask you the question right now. What's your reason? What's your why for having better mornings? Got it? Okay, good. Once you know your why for waking up early and becoming a better morning person, the second step is to tie mornings to your identity. If you've been listening to It's About Time for a while, you've probably heard me mention James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. In this book, one of Clear's first steps for starting any new habit is to make it a part of who you are. Now, how do you make something a part of who you are if you don't actually do it all the time yet? Well, the thing is, is that the words we use to describe ourselves and our internal self-talk is powerful. And if you tell yourself, I suck at mornings or I just don't do mornings, then that's exactly what's going to happen. You'll act in a way that is in line with your beliefs and your statements. Negative self-talk can limit our ability to see opportunities It increases perfectionism. It can lead to feelings of depression, insecurity, and even a heightened sense of stress. So now that you know your why for being a better morning person, flip the script on any morning negativity you've been holding on to. Start to bring awareness to those moments when you catch yourself thinking, ugh, I hate mornings, or I just can't get up early and replace it with something neutral or positive, like, I can do mornings, or I can get out of bed because of my why. And like James Clear recommends for starting new habits, tell yourself, I am someone who is good at mornings. Before long, you'll begin to act accordingly. Your actions will align with your words and your thoughts. You'll make tiny decisions that begin to add up to morning success. And those tiny decisions bring us to step three winning your morning by making the most of the night before. Back in episode 24 of It's About Time, Rachel Henry openly admitted that in her family of four, exactly zero out of four are bright-eyed, bushy-tailed morning people. But because she recognizes that and they own it, they make the most of evenings and prep in advance, prepping lunches, prepping school clothes, doing as much as possible the night before so they can make their way through the morning. Here are four easy things that you can do the night before to set yourself up for morning success. 
First, actually write out your morning routine schedule. You usually only have to do this once or twice, but being realistic about what you need to accomplish before you head out the door will make your morning run so much smoother. Second, set out all of your most important things. If you can never find your keys or you catch yourself forgetting your lunch or your gym bag or your planner, load the car the night before if you can or put everything by the back door so you don't miss it when you walk out. Third, plug your phone in to charge across the room from your bed. And it's easy to make excuses. Well, I use my phone as an alarm. Well, cool, I bet you can still hear it from across the room if you turn up the volume. Charging your phone away from your bed takes away some of the temptation to stay up and scroll. Plus, it decreases your exposure to the blue light emitted from your screen. And yes, even when you put your phone on nighttime mode, you're still getting blue light that affects your melatonin production. Number four, finally, get enough sleep. Most adults need an average of seven to nine hours each night. Figure out what your body needs and get in bed. Blackout curtains, a sleep mask, a sound machine, or even one of those free white noise apps on your phone, plugged in across the room, of course, can all be super helpful in getting the shut eye you need. And I'll link to all of my nighttime favorites in the show notes. And if you're listening and you have a newborn or another little one at home with a tough sleep schedule, I'm sending you a hug. Remember that this is just a season and it won't last forever. I remember after having Camilla, who is now a big girl three-year-old, I wondered if I would ever feel rested again in my entire life or if being perpetually exhausted was just the new normal. Fortunately, she found a good sleep schedule and our family found its new rhythm. Then we did it all over again just a year ago with Elizabeth, this time with the experience of knowing that one day we'd be past the sleepless nights and that yes, I would actually feel rested again one day. If you're in the trenches right now, I'm rooting for you. You will get through it. To recap those four things you can do the night before, Write out your morning routine to make sure it makes sense. Set out all of the important things so you don't forget them. Plug in your phone across the room from your bed so you're not tempted to scroll. And then finally, get enough sleep based on what your body needs. And there are probably a whole host of other things you could do the night before to set yourself up for a good morning, regardless of whether you're a morning lark, a night owl, or a third bird. You could find a morning accountability partner, You could use a habit tracker like the one I shared in episode 40. The possibilities are endless. And with your positive self-talk, you'll be able to see the opportunities more clearly as they present themselves. Okay, final recap on how to be a better morning person. Start by figuring out your biological chronotype. If you're still not sure or you want to double check, head over to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 117 to download bird is the word, a worksheet to find out if you're a morning lark, a night owl, or a third bird. Then know your why. If you just don't have a compelling reason for being a morning person, you're not going to follow through and take action. Next, Flip the script on the negative self-talk. Make mornings a part of your identity and you'll find ways to follow through. And finally, set yourself up for success by starting your good morning the night before. So there you have it. 
No, you can't rewire your biology, but yes, you absolutely can have good mornings, even if you're biologically an evening-loving night owl. I'd love to know if you're a morning lark, a night owl, or a third bird like me. So I'm inviting you to join me over in the It's About Time podcast community on Facebook and let me know. You can find a link to join us over in the show notes, or you can head straight to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community. As always, all the details from today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 117. And while you're there, don't forget to download the Bird is the Word worksheet so you can find out once and for all which feathered flock you're a member of. And if you're within driving distance to Baton Rouge, I would love to see you on March 27th at the Spring Reset. Tickets are going fast, so head over to AnnaDCornick.com forward slash Spring Reset to grab your seat and join us. I'll also include a link to the Spring Reset in the show notes. All right, that's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.